Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Front Row Cinema, a movie podcast for movie lovers by movie lovers. I am your host, TJ Tromboli, and with me, as always, is my co-host, famed leader of the Medjai, Mr. James O'Reilly. How's it going, buddy? It's going. And each week, we run down a movie from my 1,000 movies that we've seen in theaters, and we see how well it's aged, along with the hype surrounding the film, its box office analysis, and legacy in the film industry. And we have another whopper of a movie on deck tonight. Jim, what are we watching? The absolute powerhouse that is The Mummy Returns. That's right. We are watching the 2001 action-adventure film, The Mummy Returns, written and directed by Stephen Sommers and starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. We go right to my lovely The Mummy Ultimate Trilogy 4K collection to get this humdinger of a logline for The Mummy Returns. Oh, wow. It is as follows. An ancient terror is unleashed when the cursed mummy is resurrected again, along with a force even more powerful, the Scorpion King. The fate of all mankind depends on Rick O'Connell and his wife to save the world from unspeakable evil. How dare you disrespect Rachel Weiss by just saying his wife? Wow, did, even... they put, did they put Rachel Weiss's name? So she's her she's in parentheses as the for the character, but Brendan Fraser gets Rick O'Connell and his wife. Why not Rick O'Connell and his wife, comma Evie, comma to save the world from unspeakable evil? Yeah, or even better, couple Rick o Rick and Evie O'Connell. There you go, right there. Or I, or I, maybe even start with Evie and Rick. I don't know. Oh yeah, there's a lot let's, of ways to play it. Let's get real now. progressive. Yeah. A lot of ways to play it there that doesn't absolute disrespect the phenom that is Rachel Weiss from this movie. But as always, before we love to dive into these movies, we love to take and turn back the clock to our memories of seeing these movies when they first were released. Jim, do you have a memory of this movie from when it was released back in 01? My biggest memory is probably my excitement leading up to it because I did love the first Mummy movie. And I was a big wrestling fan when I was a kid, which obviously The Rock stars in this movie, <laughs> which to a kid my age was a big deal in 2001. So I remember being really excited and I definitely saw this in theaters and I was not disappointed, maybe a little bit about certain things, but for the most part, I loved this movie when I was a kid. I think I can echo those sentiments entirely, uh, especially for our generation there. Everyone at that point was a wrestling fan, much like we talked about a few episodes ago, like everyone being a Pokemon fan in like the late 90s. It, growing up in the late 90s and you were a boy, for the most part, you were a wrestling fan. Like you, you fucking loved the WWF, WCW. So to get The Rock in a movie, this was a huge, huge deal. Yeah, his yeah. debut movie. Yeah, his debut movie. And what a performance it was. Um, I also was a huge fan uh, waiting for this movie to come out. The first Mummy movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. I can That's one of those movies that I can watch, love it. It could end. I could start it over again immediately afterwards and enjoy it the exact same way. That's, uh, that's how enjoyable and how much I 
can rewatch that movie over and over and over again. So I was super excited when this movie was coming out. This is actually the first movie that my parents ever let me go to alone with a friend. Not like them having to be in the theater watching like or anything. They just dropped me and a friend off and they were like, we'll see you in two hours. So this was a big experience for me because not only was I getting to see a, a sequel to a movie that I loved, not only was I getting The Rock in a movie for the first time, but the parents were trusting enough to leave me alone for two hours at the movie theaters with my friend to see The Mummy Return. So this this was a this was a quintessential moment in young TJ's life. Yeah, that's a big uh, that's a big memory. I can tell you what mine was. Which was? Uh, it was a little bit later. I was a bit more of a sheltered kid. Uh, my my first movie that I went to go see just with friends was Malibu's Most Wanted. Boy, oh, the Jamie boy. Kennedy spectacular Malibu's Most Wanted. That is quite a first movie to be able to go see without your parents. Probably your parents probably saw the trailer for that and they were like, "Let the boy go alone." I'm not watching that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think they were very interested in it. I don't. As a matter of fact, I don't think anybody was very interested in it besides me. <laughs> which i mean fair uh that is uh that i could see, that's a movie i could see being up your alley that you that you could enjoy i still love it dude i know i'm sure you do <laughs> <laughs> all right jim hit me with some gloriousness this is the rock's first movie yeah here's his first, first here's his first line in the movie you think he needed an acting coach to uh to nail that not at all, dude. He's he's a natural. Have you That's, you said you watched wrestling? Do you remember him on wrestling? He was great. Oh, absolutely. That was probably a one take performance. Like they, he probably said that they were like, print, cut, check the gate, let's go. Easily one take. And you know what else? <laughs> His second line, even better. <laughs> Just the the absolute raw power the rock can, brings to the screen. I can feel the guttural pain that's inside him when that moment happens it's a, an absolute stellar debut yeah and that's it that's all he says in the movie <laughs> that's it. those are his only two lines the entire movie yeah his only i mean he may we may get into some more lines that he had toward the end later but um they're they were very uh very produced let me put it that way so i would just want i wanted to stick with his natural acting for these first two lines and really only two lines in my book natural raw talent and honestly those were probably the only days that he was actually on set too because later on there's no way he was on set doing motion capture as this as the scorpion hybrid right yeah i don't think so i mean and we talked about this is probably he just filmed this while they were filming the scorpion king right and then they were like you know what let's just toss this in the beginning of this it's honestly entirely possible yeah and then you just obviously the voiceover you do for this movie but the actual scenes of the rock you know and what a voiceover that is in the uh to opening to really set that stage yeah totally but anyway yes that's i just wanted to play my rock clips okay <laughs> he gave you the rock clips he gave you the absolute stellar debut performance but now jim give me what i so desire you got what you desired i like what i desired hit that playback i want to dive into those sweet juicy box office numbers Numbers, dates, numbers, numbers, dates, array, dates, numbers, show me the money. That's right. The Mummy Returns is definitely going to show you the money because this movie had an absolute stellar performance. Jim, run me down some box office numbers. Yeah, so it opens the weekend of May 4th, which 
basically the kickoff of the summer blockbusters at this point. I don't know. That's probably a little bit before Memorial Day weekend, right? You're asking is May 4th before Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, I don't know. When's Memorial Day weekend? <laughs> Say May 4th is way before Memorial Day weekend. All right. The end there, of there May? You go. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So May 4th, but it's like the start of the summer blockbuster season, right? And it opens yeah. number one to 68.1 million. That is a huge number. That number, Jim, is good enough to put The Mummy Returns as the second highest grossing opening weekend of all time, right behind The Lost World, which sat with 72.1. Wow. Yeah. And that was one of that when that came out, that was the biggest opening weekend ever, right? Yeah. Which so that's The Mummy is right up there with the all time list at this point, which is insane because I did not think that that would have been the case looking at this movie um, when it came out. Like I figured it, it did well, but I didn't realize how big of a movie the first one was when it came out that the second one put up such a stellar opening. Yeah. And part of it, I mean, part of it is that, you know, you're about, you're about to get into the summer movie season, but you're not quite there yet. So there's not a lot of competition that comes out with it this week. And I feel like back then too, your winter and March and April are very empty compared to how you see it today. Because today there's so much stuff coming out that you tend to see more blockbusters and big movies coming out in like March and April at times. Whereas back then you really got low budget to mid budget movies until that summer movie season kicked off. So people were probably, you know, itching for a big blockbuster at this point. So when yeah, this movie I comes mean, around, everyone's going to the, This is probably the first blockbuster of the year, yeah. Because, I mean, you're looking totally. at what... The, put, it into, put it into some perspective, right? In second place is a movie called Driven with six million. Is that uh, the Sylvester Stallone racing movie? It is, yeah. It's the one where he's like an indie car, right? Is it that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, which I saw that movie. Not great. Like, like that's the com- that was your competition. It wasn't as big a deal as The Mummy, right. And it's not even its opening week. It's That's week two of Driven. In third is Bridget Jones's Diary in its fourth week. In fourth, Spy Kids in its sixth week. So there's, like, no competition here, right? Yeah, it's, it's literally up. not. And, yeah, so it wins its opening weekend, and then it goes on a bit of a run here. In its second week, it beats out a knight's tale the opening weekend of a knight's tale dude great movie <laughs> yeah which i don't know if that's next on the list i hope so i hope yeah. that's what we're doing next week spoiler alert it's not oh that might be the front runner for my um pick for your next your next time pick. around yeah but anyway so it beats out a knight's tale in its opening week mummy pulls in 33.7 in its second week so you know there's a bit of a drop there but 50% isn't terrible, especially when your opening is that strong. And then it gets knocked out of first in week three. Do you want to take a guess at what beats it? I'll give you a hint. It's an animated what turns into a franchise. I know I know what it is because the spoiler alert here. Actually, I won't do the spoiler alert, but I know what movie it is um, simply. Because... Oh, no, I know what it is, too, now, because it's what we're going to do next. Dang it. <laughs> It's Shrek, right? Yeah, it's Shrek. Shrek takes the top spot in The Mummy Returns' third week. Um, now you can't uh, guess later. 
Yeah, and I, I guess we'll give you Shrek's opening weekend now, or should we just say The Mummy comes I'll in second with 20.4 million? Yeah, just save. But yeah, but that's still second with 20.4, still, still good. Yeah, and it's in, right. It's another respectable drop, and it's another respectable drop as you're seeing more of that summer competition come out. All right, so it spends two weekends at yeah, number so one. Our, our so our first place uh, run is over, and it's, then it's going to stay in the top ten through weekend seven. So it spends about seven weeks, which is that's about the average that you see from movies, spending seven weeks in the top 10 right around there. That's good enough to yeah. put it with The Perfect Storm and Armageddon, uh, both also stuck around for like seven weeks. So we're getting like a median average of movies that seem to tend to stick around seven, eight, six weeks. It seems to be like that median average there. So that's that's respectable. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good run. And just to get some totals out here. It finishes with 202 million domestic, 241.2 million international for a worldwide total of 443 million, 443.2 million. 443.2 million. That's, that is solid. <laughs> and that's, that is good enough to put it in the sixth spot right behind Gladiator, which made 503 and just ahead of last week's movie Castaway, which did 429.6. Yeah. And I mean, at it this is, point, that's a success, right? That No, that it absolutely is a success. I mean, especially when you look at it, it was an only 98 million budget. 440 million is, is definitely huge. It is interesting, though, that for a movie that opened to the second biggest opening of all time, couldn't cruise past 500 million 500 feels like a pretty high benchmark yes but i mean you look at lost world open to the you know biggest opening weekend of all time and it cruised to almost 700 so just an yeah. interesting thing to note that i would have thought it would have at least topped 500 million yeah yeah maybe didn't have quite the legs that you thought it might yeah so like the legs kind of died out a little bit towards the end there but still huge opening weekend huge run at the box office this movie obviously for them was a success um i wonder if the critical reception though hurt it and that's why we didn't see a sequel to this movie for a good while because i think the first the first mummy movie came out i think it was like 1999 two years yeah, later yeah. we're getting the mummy returns but i don't think it's until what 2008 2009 that the tomb of the dragon emperor came out and felt like so shoehorned in yeah i have my thoughts on that i i don't know if it's the critical reception so much as that this movie feels like an ending for you know the mummy very true very it, it does so so and I guess we'll, we'll get into that more later, but I think that it's hard to go anywhere with a franchise that's centered around, you know, a mummy when the mummy's story has closed. Yeah. Well, so what we're really diving into there is probably what the one of the biggest cruxes of the movie is for me. And we can start diving into it uh, now and really, you know, discuss what is the biggest issue for me in this movie is that they recycle the same mummy from the first movie especially the way that they made the first one to me, this feels like they should have just done the Indiana Jones route where every movie they're facing a different type of mummy from a different civilization that they're going through and looking. It feels so tacked on that we're shoving Emotep into this again. Yeah, I, I definitely could see where you're coming from. 
I don't know that I agree, if only because I think that his story and his place in this story, I think I like more in this in this Mummy Returns movie than I did in the original one. Really? And just the way, uh, yeah, I think so. The way that his relationship with his, uh, with Anaxamun, his relationship with <laughs> and how that contrasts with, with with Rick and Evie's relationship, I think it's just very interesting as the second half of that movie plays out. And um, yeah, I th- like I think that he was much more relatable and much more interesting for me in this movie. Like he was a deeper character, you know. Yeah. Well, I, no, I like what you're saying there. I also agree that I do enjoy that aspect of them diving into like kind of the you know differences between the love stories on the two of them. I wish that was in the first movie so that we didn't even have to go through with this one because the thing that kills this movie the most for me is that they're so obsessed in this movie with undermining everything from the first movie because I absolutely hate that they've shoehorned in this destiny thing with rick o'connell and evie like the fact like why why are they reincarnated souls of ancient egyptians it makes zero sense for this movie that this is just suddenly something that was always there for them because one if she is the reincarnated daughter of the pharaoh nefertiti and he is like the fabled magi who's supposed to protect her One that completely undermines the beauty of their relationship of falling in love in the first one, because instead of them just going through this trial by fire and finding each other, now it seems that it was just predestined in the stars. But at the same time, why wasn't that a factor in the first movie? Like, you're telling me it only mattered that they were destiny bound for Emotep in the second movie when it dealt with the Scorpion King, but not in the first movie when they fought him? Like, it makes it reeks of them just shoehorning that in because we needed to be bigger, we needed to be bolder, we needed to be bigger set pieces, we needed to be more extravagant. And it just reeks of them just not understanding how to build your characters in a sequel and instead just shoehorn this random plot element in that completely undermines what is such a spectacular part of the first movie and the franchise as a whole is those two characters and their relationship together. Yeah, so again, I I definitely get where you're coming from, and I can understand why that would be your takeaway on a lot of that. Um, The parts about him having the Medjai tattoo and her being a pharaoh... I mean, the parts about him having, like, being this ancient Medjai warrior, I didn't really give much attention to. I honestly completely forgot that that was even a thing by the time I finished the movie. What so, if I like, were to tell you I am a stranger from the East? <laughs> yeah. I would tell you I am yeah. a stranger from the West. So like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, they, they never really got into where he learned that phrase or what that meant, you know? Or did they? They said he learned it at like a, he got the tattoo at like an orphanage or something. Yeah, he got the tattoo at the orphanage, but they never mention why he knew how to respond to that. As if somebody just like subliminally messaged him as a child and they were like, it made zero sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So like the tattoo stuff, though, I honestly, I did really, it went into the back of my mind by the end of that movie. And I'm a lot more forgiving of the Evie stuff because those flashbacks are some of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. When when the ancient runes get lit up with color as they're walking through them was was like a really cool effect. 
Uh, I love the fight scene that she has with, is it supposed to be her sister or are they just both like Egyptian nobles, I guess? I don't really know. Both just like, I would assume just nobles because I think she's... She's From supposed the to marry one, the pharaoh. That's supposed to be her dad's wife, right? Yeah, but I don't think that's her mom. Right, right. It's just yeah, it's just some other. It's like a stepmom kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah. And and listen, I can agree with you that those scenes look cool and that that fight scene is dope and it's super impressive because the two of them learned how to do that, no stunt women or anything. Uh, but it's it's hollow underneath like when it when it all dives back to like the overarching of it i just can't get past it like i yeah, can sit there and, and be like that's a cool scene but as a whole when it comes like looking at everything i'm just like but it's fucking stupid that she's nefertiti yeah and that's fair i guess the the only thing i can really say is that i could get past it and uh, you know, like everything else about the movie made me really forgive it you know and that's and that's this is another movie like it all goes down to what you can stomach. And honestly, if this wasn't a sequel to the first mummy, I would be a lot more forgiving because then I would just be like, oh yeah, cool. Like this is love story. Like these people were predestined to be together and everything. But the fact that it's this sequel to this movie and there's no establishment of that, it, it affects it for me because it's, it just feels so shoehorned in, you know, like it, it didn't yeah. feel like they were like, this was the natural progression for those characters to take as we make a sequel and more that they were just like, what would be like a really cool thing is like, what if he was just like an ancient Medjai and she was the daughter of the Pharaoh and like they came together to protect each other. And that's why, like, it was one of those things that they were like, this will enrich their relationship, but not realize that it actually takes away from it in a sense. Yeah, I bet. I definitely get what you're saying. I just, um, it's just, it's so interesting because I really thought the opposite where their relationship in this movie was one of my favorite parts because I liked, what I liked about this movie as a sequel is that um, they didn't lose any of their chemistry and it sort of, you could tell that it had evolved in the time that's supposed to have taken place in between the movies, but they still have that kind of screwball comedy like Hepburn and Tracy witty banter throughout the first like really throughout the whole movie and so that even even though they did have this kind of shallow kind of silly like oh we're both reincarnated ancient Egyptians and yada yada even though they had all that I just like I don't know I was kind of distracted by the whole parts I did like you know which again they they that especially in that first scene they have such a good back and forth where they're like oh well i guess we'll do it your way and they like knock the thing down with the big uh like was it like a hammer no i and i and i completely agree with that i love their chemistry and that's a big part of what made the first movie so great there's just the way that they play off of each other and that's still there in this movie and i still love the yeah. back and forth that they have but or like or like my, my thing Frazier. really just comes to that underlining of it like if they just literally did this movie and never brought attention to that fact that they were those i would have had zero issues with that yeah it's probably a little better if they just never mentioned the tattoo i do like the flashbacks the flashbacks i don't know if i could do without them but maybe i'd have to think about but it a little more maybe you can just do it in a way without the flashbacks but like she's been training since she like that's just stuff she picked up from rick like rick is like teaching her how to defend herself and like he's learning to be a little bit more book smart yeah like the only thing you're really losing is that sweet cutaway visual where like she does a turn and suddenly she's in ancient egypt 
Yeah, that's fair. And you could even just keep that in the movie and not really, like, just really hint at what's going on rather than be so overt about it, you know? Exactly. But I also, one of my favorite scenes is when she almost walks off the hot air balloon. So that's, what, like, that's part of a flashback. So I don't know. I just, I really like all those. I couldn't do without them, man. I mean, that's fair. I mean, different strokes for different folks. It's funny because I, it's always interesting to see how we align on movies and, like, the differences in them. Because normally you would look at a movie like this and I would, and like it would normally, you would think it would be the opposite where you would be the one who would be a little bit more staunchly against something and I'm the more forgiving one. And in this case, it's kind of the opposite here where I can't really get past this thing that actively ruins the movie for me and you seem a lot more forgiving. Yeah, because I don't know. I just had a lot of fun watching this. So, I and I mean, and I, it's, don't, don't it's get me wrong. It's a fond I, memory. I don't want it to feel like I didn't enjoy watching this movie. I did enjoy watching this movie and I don't want this to feel like it's going to be, you know, just like a hate parade for me because there's still a lot of stuff. Yeah, in this movie yeah. That I did like, but I just, that was like the biggest thing that I needed to like have front and center that actively hurt it for me. But I did have a lot of fun with this movie, but mainly it's, it's a lot of due to the characters because Rick O'Connell, one of the biggest badasses around, like not only is that the dopest name for like an adventure seeker, like treasure hunter guy, just like Rick O'Connell, like, fuck yeah, man, let's go hang out with that guy. That guy's probably into some cool shit. Like yeah. he's just, he's just badass. Yeah. He's so American, which is so funny. Yeah. He's, this, like, he's this really idealized version of what it means to be American where all your brashness just really comes in handy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I love, I love movies especially when it comes to sequels that understand how to frame a shot to reintroduce us to our heroes. Because when we yeah. first, when we first come out of that late flashback explaining, you know, the Scorpio King and everything, and we're going to meet Rick again for the first time. And it goes into the tomb and we have this sweet silhouette backdrop against these spider webs where you just see the outline of Rick and he pulls his gun and then he comes into the light as he's pushing the spider web away to, to illuminate his face. And I'm just like, fuck yes, man. Like that is such a good shot. Like that's how you reintroduce like a character right there. Like that's fan. Yeah. Another small, like, really smart technical decision to me is that in that scene, he gets scared by the kid. So I immediately get, they're telling me right away in a visual way how much time has passed. Yeah. I know that kid wasn't born too long after the end of the first movie, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, So, yeah, I, I like that. I like that whole opening sequence when the kid is shooting the the slingshot at the at the two like grave robber guys no that scene is is well done and i do like everything that goes on with it they're they're back and forth yeah. is a lot of fun like when he when he's trying to open it up with the crowbar and she's like I, she's like i can get that open he's like oh by all means and then she just turns the dial real quick and it opens and he's like all right now you're starting to freak me out yeah like they're they're, and, they're banter. Know, it's really yeah, it's really reminiscent of the opening scene of uh, Indiana Jones to me, of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they're kind of they're kind of diving deeper into this temple and they're going through each new obstacle that they come across, and finally they find. And then right, and we get in the middle of them going through all that stuff. We see the person that's going to come in and try and like sneak up on them, 
and the kids kind of battling with enemies outside. So I just, I don't know. I think it's one of those things we've talked about in a few of these movies where it just escalates so well throughout that opening and they find the MacGuffin for the movie, right? The bracelet. And they, they overcome so many obstacles and it keeps escalating to the point where they're about to drown. And then the kid accidentally like breaks them open. It's just really cool filmmaking. You know, it's really oh, cool. That... Like that, that whole sequence has a great beginning, middle and end. And that whole opening is definitely one of the bigger and better set pieces of the movie. And it does everything it's supposed to in getting you pumped for this ride that we're about to take and is definitely one of the highlights of the movie. One of the small things in it, too, that cracked me up was when they first opened like the tomb door and Evie is giving her explanation and she's so like cautious to jump around like the spiders and the scorpions. And then Rick just like makes a big jump in there and you hear him like squish a bunch of them and he's just stomping through it. You're just like, yeah. wow, Rick, Rick is a dick to scorpions and spiders. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't want to harp too much on, I I'm going to leave all the praise for Emotep and everything to you because it, it, even though I do love the actors who play the two of them and, their relationship playing off of each other against Rick's and theirs is really good. I just can't in good conscience want Emotep in this movie. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I just, I, I, I'm i going to heap some more praise. I can't help it because that, I mean, really the ending of the movie, which a lot of the stuff it feels like you're saying you don't like is kind of set up that, that feels kind of hokey throughout the middle. But the ending, just that ending sequence when they've defeated the Scorpion King, um, who, by the way, doesn't really make it into this movie a lot because... The Scorpion King is a movie based on the character of the Scorpion King. That's his movie, the Scorpion King. He's not in this one. Yeah, he's <laughs> so... really just in the opening and then like the last 10 minutes. Right, right. And so, you know, after they've beaten him and that crack in the ground opens up and Rick O'Connell and Imhotep are both hanging off of it. And there's all those weird, like, uh, river sticks kind of souls down there grabbing at them. Yeah. And they both call out to their significant others who are standing in that little archway watching them hang on for literally dear life, you know. And what do they do? Rick O'Connell tells Evie to run. He's, he's like, get out of here. I'm a lost cause. You need to stay safe. And Evie can't do it. You know what I mean? She cannot leave him there because these two people actually love each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the way that plays off of the mummy and <laughs> is so perfect <laughs> because they each do the exact opposite thing. The mummy Emotep is so selfish. He ha he can't let her go. He needs her to come save him because he can't do what Rick O'Connell is doing. He can't sacrifice himself for her to live, you know. And what does Anaximenun do? She does the exact opposite of Evie because she doesn't actually love the man. She loves the power. She loves like the the prestige. She loves all of that stuff. That by the way the director takes away from them when they go into the scene with the Scorpion King. So all the stuff that she actually loves him for is gone. And when the man is there hanging, she leaves him to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and that's, and that's all good stuff. I completely agree. Yeah. It's one of the and better his portions heart's, of his it. His heart's broken. His heart's broken. 
he watches Rick O'Connell and Evie O'Connell ride off into the sunset, and then he swan dives because he lost in every sense of the word. Yeah, no, and I I agree that all that is really good. I just think all of that probably should have been in the first movie with him. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, that's a fair criticism. I agree with that. But um, but I agree with no all that, that all that so I'm glad all I that got stuff. To see it, you know, all that stuff is great though. I do think that that is one of the highlights um, of especially that scene with the atrocious, atrocious. I'm gonna say it three times. Atrocious CGI that infects this movie. Yeah, it's real bad. And that's another memory I have of this movie was being very disappointed because um, I was excited to see The Rock and then he was only in it in the very beginning. And then in the end, even I knew that was really bad when I was like 11 years old. <laughs> yeah, the, the Scorpion King is the de facto awful piece of this cgi monstrosity but this whole movie is littered with some tough cgi and it's insane to look at that this movie is two years after the previous mummy and the previous mummy dances circles around with its cgi the the waterfall scene with another pointless callback from the first movie that they have to do they're like yeah, how yeah. should we one up the sandstorm i got it we'll do a waterfall one but it'll look 10 times worse than the sandstorm <laughs> one looked in the first one or we'll we'll yeah, bring back we'll bring back those mummies from the first one that rick fought where he's just like oh i hate these guys and he'll have them poke them in the eyes and it'll look horrible and they're like yeah let's is do that it. that's the scene when they have the double decker bus that scene is so great no no i i like a lot of the action in that scene i just think a lot of the cgi in it at times looks right. awful Right. Yeah, what what saves it rough, is yeah. Brendan Fraser's stellar performance of how he just reacts to everything that's happening the entire movie. His his like catchisms every time something silly is going on is is great. Yeah, I love it because he's almost like um, the dad from the Honeymooner Mooners or like All in the Family, <laughs> where he's just annoyed the whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean? and it, it works like from so the well. Jump, he's like, "Nope, we're not going to this oasis." You know, he's he's so against it, and it, he, she keeps telling him how dangerous it is, or he keeps guessing how dangerous dangerous it is actually, and he's like, "Yeah, because it's always this dangerous." <laughs> like he's he, and he's he's, just, he's sick of it. He's playing this movie as a guy who just got back from a vacation and just wants to sit in his chair and can't because now he's got to go on another adventure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, like his stupid kid's car just broke down or something. And he's like, oh, God, I got to go take care of this again. Like, yeah, like he's just so, like, I love when he first sees the Magi guy again. I don't remember what the character's name is. And he's just like, you put on the bracelet. He's like, you just released the curse. It's going to end in a thousand years. And they're just like, he's like, you, like, chill out. You, big trouble. You, get in the car. <laughs> like, the he's car. just, yeah. he's just done. He's the absolute, like, dad right now. Yeah, absolutely. And he's and I love, by the way, the brother, Evie's brother. What's his name again? I forget. Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan. He's he's the worst kid. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, just a bumbling idiot. Of, right. He plays off of that annoyed dad character of Brendan Fraser so well. He's like he's, he's an he's idiot. So he's a total womanizer. He's like spending all of his money hand over fist. You know what I mean? Like, even though, like, they all made so much from that first movie, he, Jonathan's still living in this huge house with them. Like, Right. And he's throwing wild parties all the time. Yeah. 
Like Dude, I love that scene, by the way, too, when um, when they 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 mistake Jonathan for Rick O'Connell. Oh yeah, that's great. And yeah. the best thing is he, that's a he's great encapsulation a, of Jonathan such a too. Sniveling worm, dude. No, but it's so great about him too because while he is so childish and everything, he still pretends to be Rick to try to like for whatever right, reason right. to keep dude, like Rick and through... them out of it. He goes through every weaselly thing he can think of to try and not die. And like in two minutes, he goes through yeah. 10 different things and he just keeps changing until he finds something they want to hear. It's so funny. He's 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 the really great comic relief. And a lot of his jokes do always land for me. He He's just got a good presence about him that he can make even a joke that doesn't always work, work because he's just a really solid comedic actor in this movie. Yeah, he's he's the perfect foil for Rick O'Connell. He's so good. <laughs> he's so, like, he's if Rick O'Connell's the straight man, it makes everything Jonathan's doing 10 times funnier throughout the first, like, half of the movie, really. Yeah, like he's great. And especially when like every time anything happens and you see Jonathan react the same way the kid does, it's classic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's just an extra kid for the annoyed dad. It's so funny. Yeah, like he gets in the car, breaks the key in the ignition. He Yeah, and they're like they're like waiting in the car telling each other scary stories and stuff. Yeah, like he's just such a bumbling doofus, but he plays it yeah. so well. Absolutely, yeah. Another also, thing. I, yeah, go on. No, go ahead. No, you go. I was gonna say I really liked the airship. That <laughs> was a cool twist. I thought that was cool. Like the driver was really funny. The scene with uh with them convincing him to drive them or fly them, I suppose. Uh and Stop. yeah, it was just it was just an interesting way for them to travel. And it kind of saved the whole waterfall scene for me, if I'm being totally honest. Oh, it did it yeah yeah that's the i because it's weird because i agree with a lot of the stuff you're saying but i didn't think any of it while i was watching the movie because i was just like they had me distracted dude i was totally following their sleight of hand you know yeah yeah then i i guess they did they did their jobs worth for you and i think i i think a lot of this doesn't help that i'm such a big fan of the first one so i'm probably yeah. like more critical than need be but at the same time, I feel like I have to be because I need I this should be to the standard that the previous one is. And a lot of it that kills it for me is them doing so many of the callbacks from the first movie, but just lesser because it's like, oh, we got to resurrect the Noxuna Moon again. But even though it was such a big hassle in the first one to do it, we did it in like five seconds in this movie. Oh, yeah. we got to open up the horror sculptures again that uh emotep is going to feed on the guys for we do it in five seconds in this movie oh hey we got the we got the waterfall thing again oh but it's just a callback from the first movie like everything they do in this just feels like diminishing returns for me instead of them coming up with actual new and inventive things to do in this movie yeah they're you know? playing all the hits they're playing all the exactly. hits. exactly and yeah, i and they're, and they're while getting... i don't have a problem with you playing some of the hits I also, you know, I want to hear some variety, man. I, I want you, I want you to give me a new jam. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. That would be like if the next, if they did right after Raiders of the Lost Ark, did Temple of Doom and then just replayed the hits. Like how much lesser know. of a movie would Temple of Doom be if they just replayed the hits of Raiders of the Lost Ark? But to 
people might have liked Temple of Doom a lot better. <laughs> but those people are stupid because Temple of Doom yeah. is a fantastic fucking movie because it did its own thing and dared to be wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do like all three of those Indiana Jones movies, so I'm not going to say anything too bad about Temple of Doom, but a lot of people I know aren't the biggest fan of it. I know a lot of people that are too, and I yell at them speaking, all the time. Uh, speaking of Indiana Jones, by the way, you said something about Romancing the Stone. I think it was last week that Romancing the Stone was kind of just a budget Indiana Jones. <laughs> so, like, what I'm going to ask you this week is, how is the mummy not just a budget Indiana Jones? I didn't say it wasn't. It's also a budget Indiana Jones. The difference is okay. is, in, is in the execution. Okay, gotcha. So, all right, no, I mean, yeah, no, I don't... that's a fair answer to that question. I know I didn't think I wasn't assuming what you would say. I just wanted to see what you said. <laughs> yeah, no, and I and I listen. I don't have a problem. A lot of movies are just budget other movies, but in a different genre. And I'm totally cool with doing that. It's all in the execution of how you do them. In the same way that, you know, like Avatar is just Pocahontas in space, but that sounds awesome. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. so I'm cool with that. Like it, it seems it's a no brainer to sit there and be like, let's make another mummy movie. But it's like a sand, it's like a sword and sandal type movie. Like Indiana Jones, because we're like, we're way back in the thirties in like, you know, Egypt and everything, and we're just gonna play it like he's a treasure hunter Indiana Jones style movie. And it's like, fuck yeah, that sounds absolutely like why didn't we think of that? Like, do that right now. So I got that, I got that no vibe. Problem. That vibe does work particularly well for the mummy specifically, too. Like it just it just fits. And I think that might be why, like, maybe Tomb of the Dragon Emperor didn't hit. Well, one, they didn't have a lot of the core people back, but two, it feels like they abandoned that to do a more just late 2000s low budget action movie that was like common around then and yeah not... i never even i'm not gonna lie i've never seen that one. Oh, it's <laughs> so, rough it's rough yeah i've never seen it i've heard it's really bad and just from having seen clips i suppose and maybe just the trailer it doesn't seem like it kept the same kind of vibe. Losing the losing the desert aspect of it, I think, was pretty rough for that movie. It was like a central to its tone and everything. I do get that. I think this movie still can work without a desert theme, but it's definitely a balancing act, and it definitely takes a certain type of filmmaker to really make it work. And the way that they did it, I just don't think they took the care to make sure that it would hit in the way that it needed to hit. Because to me, the mummy in my head, they really should have just gone all in on the Indiana Jones vibe and done a different mummy every story. And I know it's kind of antithetical to what we've been talking about because I'm also sitting here being like Tomb of the Dragon Emperor was garbage. But I think yeah. there's a universe out there where you could make that work. I wonder why in a sequel to The Mummy, the Scorpion King couldn't be The Mummy. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Like, I think this movie, just them facing off against the Scorpion King should have been enough, right? Yeah, and I think that's part of why I was disappointed because I was kind of expecting it to go that route. But then again, it is called The Mummy Returns. And then, I mean, as The Rock so eloquently pointed out. The Scorpion King is a movie based on the character of the Scorpion King. 
So, I mean, really, you're just kind of trapped there. The Scorpion King is a movie about the Scorpion King. So, Well, I think they backed themselves into a corner with this one by the first Mummy being such a huge hit that they were all so eager to churn out another one and play up what worked so well about the first one that they were like, this will be a slam dunk without really sitting back and taking the time to think, what would a great sequel to this really look like? Because I don't think you call this movie The Mummy Returns. It should just be The Mummy and then have a subtitle, The Scorpion King. Yeah, something like that, right? And it's yeah, and, and I don't know. My my Hollywood conspiracy theory that I literally just came up with right now, and it is based on <laughs> nothing but conjecture. What if they got The Rock, they brought The Rock on to be The Mummy? in the second mummy movie and then they realized oh man we're in a lot of trouble here <laughs> like you know what i mean like they were, this movie was already greenlit there's a director attached they've got they're putting all kinds of money into into drafts of a script and then they're just like but the rock is not really cutting it right now so they're like all right what do we do we bring back the other mummy man he was great <laughs> as much well, as that well, would be we'll fit the rock in there somehow but just give me emotep dude he was so good as much as that sounds like a grand conspiracy i could not give them that much credit <laughs> yeah definitely tinfoil hat I'm <laughs> and again totally made up i don't even really know i don't even really know that i think that's what actually happened that's fair that's fair i will say i think my favorite aspect about this movie and I think you're no, you'll know what I'm about to say because I texted you about it um, after I finished the movie. Mm -hmm. This soundtrack kills. Yeah, Fantas it's awesome, dude. Fantastic awesome. soundtrack. Done by Alan Silvestri, who's actually done a lot of Robert Zemeckis' movies. He did the Back to the Future ones. And I even this is this was a movie much like we talked about with Gladiator, where we heard the Pirates of the Caribbean themes. I could yeah. hear Back to the Future themes in some of this while they're doing like, like the, the main motif that they constantly call back to in this mummy movie has a similar um, pattern to a big portion of some of the back to the future soundtrack. And I'm not going to like hum it here because it won't sound nearly as convincing, yeah. but, no, but if I you, think if I you know, go and listen I think I know to which that, part you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. If you go and listen to them back to back, you can definitely hear the similarities. And it's, it was just very interesting when I recognized that, but this, but this soundtrack absolutely kills. And it was one of those things that really does help make this movie feel grander is is a bitching soundtrack and this movie has an absolutely stellar soundtrack behind it yeah yeah it's part of the sleight of hand that distracts me man that's part of the thing that really draws me in and lets me pay attention to the more fun grandiose parts and not so much attention to the silly shallow uh i i, I will have said you found me and i am traveling from the west you know and i will say i'm a stranger from the west and it is i who you seek like what oh yeah that's what it is yeah who's call. who said that like shut up <laughs> <laughs> but jim i wonder if you caught it there is a that guy in this movie and i wonder if you noticed who it was he was a, he is a pretty big part in this movie and i only bring up that guy because he was part of something that a tv show that you and i both loved when we were in high school let me know if this answers your question give it to me now 
So you know the guy. I do know the guy. I do know the guy. Well, that was my job. Do you do you know what TV show he was from that we loved so much in high school? I mean, it should I give it away s- since I said that we loved. Yeah, I want to say he was Mr. Echo, right? The guy from Lost? Yes, he was. That that was Mr. Echo. I'm not going to pronounce his name because the last thing I need to do is butcher this poor man's name. I'm afraid I can't do that. Yes, I am afraid I cannot do that because this man's name is very, very hard to pronounce and I'm not going to do it. But he was Mr. Echo. He was in the Suicide Squad. Um, he was in Pompeii, that really terrible disaster movie with him and Jon Snow. Um, so this wow. guy, he's, he's he's been around. Yeah, but yeah. Obviously, Mr. Echo, one of the one of the best roles, obviously. But he's he is one of the better parts of this movie. He just got a really fun presence with him, and I do love the way he reacts to having to deal with the kid constantly throughout this movie. Yeah, and he walks a fine line, right, between a badass that needs to stand up to this uh, Medjai warrior who, from the first one, who they they do a great job of setting up their rivalry from the very start. So well, when they have their first to... fight in the in their home, and he like wound, gives him a little bit of a wound to the Medjai guy, and then he goes to leave, and he has the bitchin' throw the cape around my shoulders walk off that you see in so yes. many good movies. Yeah, classic, dude. Yeah, and so he has to walk that balance, right, of being that big bad that they're gonna have to fight toward the end, or at least one of them is gonna have to fight toward the end. And then also he's kind of babysitting the kid once the kid is kidnapped. Yeah. And you're right. He's funny in those scenes, dude. The way he plays off the kid. Like, I laughed a lot throughout that center portion where the kid is in captivity. And he, like, the kid is just being really annoying on the train. And he slams down the knife. And the kid's like, whoa, that was a great shot. He's like, what are you talking about? I miss. (laughs) I wish I had pulled that one. That was a great quote. He's, he's got a lot of really good lines in this movie. Um, how how did the kid handle for you? Because I know, you know, a lot of the times in movies, you bring a kid into this great dynamic from a movie and, and it can be very, it can go one of two ways. The kid can be either the most annoying person on the planet or he can walk that fine line and, and be okay. How how did the How did the kid fare in this movie for you? I thought he was pretty good, yeah. I mean, I don't know that he stood out as... I don't know that anything he did really stood out to me as something where I was like, wow, that's a kid acting. He's really good. But (laughs) he was just kind of there, you know? But he wasn't wasn't bad. He didn't take away from it for me in any way. I thought the same thing. Like, he he was one of the better... You know, when they when they always add the child to the sequels uh, for the love interests, he, he was definitely on the more um, standable of them. I think the only thing that made me laugh and again this one this one is 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 a nitpick i will admit like it doesn't actively ruin the movie for me but every time it happened i was just laughing but how that their son was just like a champion sand sculptor like he was just perfectly sculpting these egyptian ruins everywhere they went with the pail of water that he's being left it was like what and also how did nobody find that like Dude, how did he, how much water was he getting? Was he using all his water to do that? Because they were yeah. traveling for a really long time. Yeah, like how did that kid not die of dehydration out in the desert? Because he definitely needed every drop of water that they were giving him to pull those off. Like some of those, some of those ruins that he was creating were fucking hard. 
crazy detailed yeah i mean it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty insane that he had the time to craft them without anybody like you said without anybody noticing and they there was a lot of stops on that montage they did like five or six where yeah, he, he, like... he built he built a lot of those i was i was like damn dude somebody get this kid to the beach because he needs to be entered into a sandcastle competition immediately yeah dude i also loved the scenes with him and emotep the uh the scene when when he first meets Emotep and Emotep's he's telling him about the bracelet and how the kid's saying he's not going to lead him where he needs to go. And then the kid finds out that it'll kill him if they don't get to the place in time. Yeah, some of that was, some of that was good. They do have a good banter back and forth. That was another thing though, at, at times that made me laugh. Cause it was, uh, when he first meets him and Emotep gives him that and he's like, he, he just lifts up his hand and the kid just like floats up off the ground. And it was like, when the fuck did you get that power? yeah who knows dude he's the mummy who cares he's got powers it's fine the mummy's just levitating human beings now <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's, it's so yeah. silly but, but i love how we i think, we... I think Go i'm on. gonna take back what i said earlier i do think the kid was pretty impressive in that scene with the bracelet like he went from like all cocky to kind of like scared and in awe real fast which i thought was pretty great no he played he the the kid did well and he more than held his own in this movie um and it's it's cracking me up now that we've we've discussed so much of everything in, in regards to dealing with this kid with that guy and the crazy cgi but we haven't talked about where all those three things combine which is the absolutely insane pygmy showdown oh yeah in the middle of this movie Dude, what was that all about? That was so silly. Those villains were ridiculous. Oh, it was the most absurd thing ever. And that was another one. When the, when the pygmies are like dimly lit and they're just in like the shadows of the trees attacking, it doesn't look so bad. But when they run across the felled log and all of the pygmies start running across it and they're grabbing at the dynamite, it looked so bad. Like it showed them like all dancing, <laughs> like the collected, and it looked like bad like PS2 animations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I just, I, I kind of love that part too, man. <laughs> I kind of. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I hated it. It's just it definitely just, a it, far cry from the first movie. I must just, I must just be way too biased because none of like you're saying all this stuff, and I'm kind of nodding, but at the same time, I'm like, but this movie was still amazing. Okay, don't you say that. <laughs> And listen, Jim, if you feel that way, please defend it. I, I don't want it to feel like <laughs> I am unceremoniously shitting too hard on this movie because no, I do enjoy I think, those things at the same time. I think I'm going to have to go back and watch the first one because I'm wondering if that I'm just enjoying it mostly because they're playing the hits and I just haven't heard the hits in a while, you know? Fair. It's absolutely fair. If you had to take a guess, how long has it been since you've seen the first one? Uh, not as long as you'd think. Probably like three years. I watched it like somewhat recently. Yeah. So yeah. So that's not that's not too too since, long ago. Uh, since I moved out west, I've I've definitely watched that movie. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that's not like crazy long to the point that it it could still be relatively fresh. 
Yeah, it's fresh enough where I know the hits and I notice them, but it's also not so fresh that I'm like, oh man, that hits is not as good in this movie, you know? Yeah, that it's that it's like I how it is for like me, where like I can like legit call back to scenes from the first movie. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Which is fair. Which I mean, it's fair because for me, the Mummy being one of those, you know, like top fifty movies of all time, I've watched that movie a lot. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely going to go back and watch it again this week. Is there anything else uh, in there that you feel like we haven't touched on that you want to rally cry right now to try and uh, turn me around on this movie? No, I think we've hit the, <laughs> the big strokes of the movie itself. I do want to move on to... Um, Everyone's favorite yeah. game show, This or That. We're doing the IMDb Deep Dive. Who are you starting off with uh, for this deep dive? Who are you throwing at me? I think we're going to start with the director for this one. We'll do All Stephen right. Sommers. Stephen Sommers. I used to think when I was a kid it was Stephen Sommers. And I was like, oh, that's an O in there. Whoopsies. All right. So his first movie. Okay. You take The Mummy or Catch Me If You Can. That's just a gag. I've never heard of this movie, but he did direct a movie called Catch Me If You Can. It's from 1989. It's not the one that everybody knows. It's literally going to say, I was like, wait, yeah. what? A, a hotshot car racer persuades the class president of a small Minnesota high school to gamble on illegal car races to raise money for their school facing closure. I'm going to lie, I want to watch that. Yeah, I'm trying to see who else is in it, but... Um, doesn't sound terrible but that also sounds like such a far cry from the genre movies that he's known for it yeah it's definitely all right so that's that was like that was the gag one because i knew you were going to be like wah, wah, what when i said catch me <laughs> if you can um i don't know did you ever see the adventures of puck finn it's like from oh, 1993 with, the, with elijah wood though right he plays like the young puck finn yeah, I don't. This one, I don't think I've seen it, so we can't. I do that also one. not seen it. Um. All right, so let's get to ones some ones that I know you've definitely seen. We've seen. Um, the Mummy Returns or the Mummy? I think I know what you're gonna pick. Gee, I wonder. I wonder where where my allegiance will lie on that one. I mean, we can get it out of the way right now. The Mummy is the best movie this guy's done. Yeah, you're gonna take okay the first Mummy. So let's let's see where you think the Mummy Returns falls in though. The Mummy Returns or Van Helsing? Mummy Returns. Okay. I hate I hate that fucking movie. Yeah, Van Helsing's not very good, right? That's a movie we're going to be watching uh, down the line. We went and saw that. Yeah, yeah, we did. You're right. God damn it. The Mummy Returns or G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra? Ooh. G.I. Joe. I don't that's know a, that I've ever. I don't know that I've seen the Rise of Cobra. That's a fun one. I that's saw the first, first one. GI Joe movie. Oh, that is yeah. the first one. Yeah, that's the okay, first one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I take the Mummy Returns though. Ooh, interesting. All right. The Mummy Returns or Odd Thomas? What even is that? Dude, you've never seen Odd Thomas? It's. Uh, no. I'm pretty sure that's the one with Anton Yelich. No, I've never even heard of that movie. Or Anton Yelchin. Sorry, I'm an idiot. I was going to say, I was like, what? Anton Yelchin. 
No, I've not he was, heard of uh, that. He plays this this he, this guy who can see um, these weird like death monsters. It's a pretty interesting movie. I would still take the Mummy Returns though. I'll have to look that up. You skipped no, over I'm Deep wondering. Rising, bro. I've never I've never heard of that one. What's Deep? I Rising? never saw that. So it follows a group of people that come across like an ocean liner that's just derelict in the like in the middle of the sea, and when they get on it. It turns out that there's like a squid monster on it, and it's it's and they all and the squid monster starts like killing them. Dude, I've never heard of this movie. Oh, it is a hilariously silly B movie. I gotta go watch it. You absolutely. That's a movie I think you would like too, because that's right up your alley of like really fun dumb schlock. Yeah, and that was from that was from. Wait, what was like the year on that one? Six ninety five. It's like Treat Williams, Fomke Johnson. I think her name 19, is. It's nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, Jean Grey's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, I don't know. Did you ever see the old live action Jungle Book? He directed the Jungle Book from nineteen ninety four. He really? That's what it says. Yeah. That's. I never. I never hilarious. saw that though. That's hilarious. I haven't seen it either, but I know the movie you're talking about. That's hilarious. This man has had quite an odd career. Yeah. Now yeah, is, I don't know. The, is, mummy, the Mummy Returns stays pretty high on that list for me, but there is a couple. Yeah, no, it would for I me too. Watch. I would probably put The Mummy Returns at number three, like right behind G.I. Joe. Is G.I. Joe the last movie he's done? Or that is that Anton Yelchin movie the last one he's done? Yeah, the Anton Yelchin one, Odd Thomas, is the last one he did. That was 2013. Damn. Oh, poor guy. Oh, well, on to yeah, Brendan well, Fraser. Um, yeah, so Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, um, my guy. This is this is going to be an interesting one because this, this is man, a filmography that stretches across mucho amounts of time. This man having quite the resurgence right now too. All right, ready? Yeah, hit me with it. The Mummy Returns or Encino Man? Oh, Encino Man. No way, man! I'm taking The Mummy Returns. You're crazy. Uh, the Mummy Returns or School Ties? The Mummy Returns. Oh, I think I might take School Ties. Uh, we're opposites on that one. School Ties is so funny, dude. Well, no, it's not funny. It's a drama. I was gonna movie, say, like, I don't think that like, movie's a comedy. It's not, but it's it's I don't know. It's an interesting like snapshot in time, and uh, I think Matt Damon's really good in that movie. Brandon Fraser's really good in that movie. Mummy Returns or Airheads. Airheads. Yeah, Airheads. I'm taking Airheads. This is fucking classic. The Mummy Returns, or I'm interested to see if you know this movie, The Scout. Or he's the with Albert Brooks, right? Where he's the pitcher. Yeah, Albert. Right, Albert Brooks is the baseball scout who finds yeah. him in some. He's like from some Central American country, and he's like this yeah. amazing pitcher. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen that movie, but I know the one you're talking about. I like that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't know how well it holds up. But I'm taking The Scout. The Mummy Returns or George of the Jungle? Mummy Returns. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the Mummy Returns. George, George of the Jungle, of the Jungle is, is not fun. Very good. Yeah, it's it's fun, but it's not like a great movie. Okay, I think we're not gonna do the Mummy again. Did you ever see Blast from the Past? Oh no, dude, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. I think that I'm taking Blast from the Past. That movie. Yeah, I'm also taking Blast from the Past. All right, ready? Mummy Returns or Dudley Do-Right? Oh. 
What a, I do. What a stone cold classic for stupid. I do love that fucking movie, but I'll give it to The Mummy Returns. Yeah, I'm taking The Mummy Returns. Dudley uh, Do Right is much like George of the Jungle, where it's just like it's it's just dumb funny. Yeah, The Mummy Returns are bedazzled. Mummy Returns, the bedazzled. Funny. <laughs> Dude, you didn't like bedazzled? That movie's so silly. I'd have to watch it again. It's been a very long time, but I remember it being like silly dumb. Yeah, a lot of these other ones I've never seen. So just call out one, call out, call out, call these out if you've seen them. The Quiet American. No. Uh, Looney Tunes back in action. Oh, classic, stupid. Mummy Returns. Over yeah, there. I've never seen Looney Tunes back in action. That's dumb. Uh, but... Mummy Returns or Crash. Oh God, that fucking movie. I've never seen Crash. Mummy, either. I've always Mummy heard Re- it's terrible. Mummy Returns. I've seen it. It's not terrible, but it's not near. Like, I, it got overblown by them being like, it's the best movie of the year and giving it the Academy Award. It was like, that was a bold fucking move. Yeah. I've ne- I never, I was never interested in it. So it's, 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 much. it's fine. It's, it's, a, it's fine. I don't know that there's anything else really. I mean, I guess Journey to the Center of the Earth, The Mummy Returns, or Journey to the Center of the Earth. He returns. A lot of these, a lot of these don't he's, feel close. So yeah, well, then he's kind of like. At this point, you're getting to the stage in his career where he kind of trailed out for a while, and we haven't seen him again until last year with the whale. Yeah, I guess we can just cut up to now. Then uh, the Mummy Returns or the Whale, two very different movies. I was gonna say, like, I don't even know how you <laughs> compare. I mean, I'd go the Mummy Returns because the Mummy Returns is the funner movie, but obviously the whale is the better performance yeah i mean yeah. but like i'm never gonna want to watch the whale ever again like it's just, it was so fucking depressing Agreed. like if i'm sitting there and they're like yo That's what do you want to watch tonight the whale or the mummy returns i'll be like get fucked mummy returns bro like, i want to see rick o'connell kick some ass that's how that director rolls though isn't isn't the whale darren aronofsky yeah yeah that's how he makes movies that you never want to see again after you yeah, see them that they're like they're really good, but I'll never return to them again. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, spoiler alert. Also... also, Mummy is the Mummy is my favorite Brendan Fraser movie, the first one. Okay, did you see Killers of the Flower Moon yet? I, I yeah, he's in that. I don't know how he's, big of a party he's has. in it for like legit five minutes. Gotcha. Five minutes out of three and a half hours. So I don't think you can really count him. You could count him as he... much as you can count the Rock being in the Mummy Returns. All right, moving away from our IMDb. I don't know why. I pronounce that weird. Our IMDb deep dive. Is there a world that you think, especially with legacy sequels being such a big thing right now, that they can get Brendan and Rachel and Jonathan and all them back for another go around? Do you think there's a world out there, there's a story out there that would warrant another mummy movie? I don't have one because like i said i think that the uh the original like the way that the mummy story ends in this one i think is the end of it for me and i don't know that i necessarily need to see anymore and that's why i didn't see the dragon emperor and that's why i haven't put that much thought into what another mummy movie would look like uh what about you what are like what you gotta sell me on this because i don't think it should exist so what do you have any ideas so I do have one idea, but I don't think it's going to be one that's really going to sell you on that there absolutely should be another one. 
because I'm also on the boat with you that if somebody, you know, came in, if somebody walked into my room and was like, hey, we should do another mummy movie, I would be like, you absolutely fucking should not. But gun to my head, the only thing that could pot that possibly titillated me a little bit when I was thinking about it was we're catching back up with Rick O'Connell now. He's a bit more seasoned. He's an older grizzled veteran at this point. Not as quick on his game now. Still loves to be the hero going out treasure hunting and everything still with with Evie. Their relationship still very much how it was. But, you know, he's lost a step. So his adventure hunting is definitely going to take its toll on him now. And let's say they come across something that is bigger than they could handle. And in the process of it, Evie gets killed. And so Rick being a fucking wreck and not being able to handle a world without Evie does the only thing that he knows that he can do to try and get Evie back. Well, I guess I forgot he at go, this point now. He so, goes back in time to try and talk to Archimedes. Imagine. That would, no, <laughs> that, that's just the was there a movie that did that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so, so Rick so despondent to get her back and help defeat whatever evil that they unleashed in this beginning has oh. to use the book of the dead to bring back Emotep and team up with Emotep to stop this and get Evie back. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in actually. So it's almost like a buddy cop movie. Cause you could even do something where like, let's say whatever it was that got Evie killed or whatever, let's say maybe the presence of the mummy that came back, doesn't come back as a mummy, but comes back and uses Evie's body as a vessel. Uh, okay it's uh, all right you're starting to lose me but okay <laughs> i don't know i'm just spitballing here <laughs> yes. but ba- but basically lose me. but basically what inter- you can boil it's it down interesting i could have i would have thought you would have went um more along the like a different mummy route which i know it is funny that i spent a whole time talking about how this should be standalone movies but then for my new pitch it would be like hey emotep's also back but at this point in the game, you're if if people if you're gonna right, make so it a hold on. movie, go on, yeah, go on. You've got a you've got a really important thing to say right now that is okay. really gonna make or break if I'm interested in watching this or not. Okay, here we go. Why does Emotep help him? That is the question to be asked. Because if, if there's a good reason why Emotep needs to help him, I don't know. I might be in. You know. You could be in. Well, I mean, the easiest route is it's the same thing as the Scorpion King. Like Emotep sees this as his chance to seize power and get back and knock Suna Moon again. Like, like he's like the wilted lover who's like, I think this time I can get her back, man. And Rick is just despondent enough to go along with it, even though he knows <laughs> in the back of his head that like eventually Emotep's going to turn on him and he's going to have to fight him again. But he loves <laughs> Evie that badly that he's willing like, to do it. Emotep is like Logan from the episodes of Veronica Mars when they break up. Like he's just totally depressed. <laughs> exactly. He, exactly. He's like he's like always talking about a, a Moxina Moon or whatever her name is. Like he's just always bringing her up no matter what's going on. And I also love <laughs> that you have not pronounced her name correctly once the entire time. How do you say? Logan. How do you say it? A knock. <laughs> Play that one for me one more time. One more time. Not yeah, like that. That's Suna how you say moon. it. Yeah. You're like a Bhaskara boom. <laughs> I'm sorry, all right? I'm just a little bit too much like The Rock. 
By the way, is that like an actual language that he's speaking in the beginning? I couldn't fucking tell you. Probably not. I don't if know. I, if... I just like I was trying to look it up because I just I think it would be so funny if that was just totally mumbo jumbo. Like it didn't mean anything. You yeah, know? they just they were just like just spout some gibberish, bro, and that was just what <laughs> yeah. came out. But yeah, so that that would be the only world in which I could see like maybe they could make another one work. But I would be firmly in your camp as well, where I would be like, just let's just let this franchise die. Yeah. Like yeah, we I mean, got, you, dude. You almost, you almost have me. You almost have me buy a ticket to that movie. There we go. So maybe a little bit more workshopping, and maybe we've got Jim, Jim's uh, fifteen dollars for a good uh, Friday night showing. <laughs> Who knows? We'll have to workshop it a little bit. But all right, let's move on now, as always, to the thing that we love to discuss so much, and that is: Will this list make it another week, or will it fold under the pressure of Jim trying to figure out? Where this movie is going to land on the list, uh, and no, we I feel, yeah, go on. I feel pretty. I feel pretty good about this week. I feel pretty good Do about you, this week. You feel pretty confident, it, unless, especially unless after nervous. now. All right, so so here's my question then to you before we fully go into this. Yeah, what what were you expecting from me going into this? Did did you expect me to harp on this movie as much as I ended up doing? Not even close. I thought you were going to like it so much more than it sounds like you did. <laughs> so has that. So I, I'm it's interesting to hear that you're still confident, though, about the score, considering that now. Yeah. You... Yeah. I it's I feel much more comfortable just giving it the score that I feel is correct. And I'm a lot That's less worried about how your score is going to affect where it lands on this list. Let me put it that way. That's fair. All right. So having said all that, then, Jim. Let me hear it. Final rating and thoughts for The Mummy Returns. I'm going to give it a really high score, dude. I'm giving it a four out of five. That's one Holy of the highest scores I've given it. Yeah, that is yeah, that's one high. of the highest scores I've given. I don't think I've seen you go over three since, like, fucking Gladiator. My lord. Yeah, I'm, dude, I like I like this movie a lot. I'm four out of five. Four out of five. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I guess so it is going to end up landing on itself somewhere in the middle of the pack where we expect it to be because I'm going to give this movie a two out of five. Nice. nice. I, that's exactly what I had you pegged for. That's why I did was you, confident. Andrew, that's why you were confident in it. Yeah. And I mean, and I, and I get why somebody wouldn't enjoy this to a four star level. I totally don't knock you for enjoying it to that level. I, I completely understand for me at the end of the day, I just can't get past the glaring issues that I have with it solely because of the first movie so for me it's it's gonna be a two so with a two for me and four from you that gives it an overall score of six out of ten and i i can live with that i think that's yeah yeah i can live with that yeah, that sounds that's that's fair i'm kind of in the opposite boat of you which is that i can see why somebody would give this a lower score and why somebody might not enjoy it as much as i did which to me means like in the six range is a really perfect spot for it to end up. Yeah, and the six range puts it, it's now tied with Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And it, the, those two sixes sit right behind Armageddon with a 6.5 and just ahead of X-Men with 5.5. So that's, I think yeah, that's, that's living, solid. It's living right where it ought to be in my yeah. book. Yeah, yeah that, that ended up working uh, out splendidly and it is funny we talked about it last week how 
we always end up we're, we're very for very few movies do we align properly on the same score we always find a way of settling it where it needs to be where like one week i'll be really high on something and you'll be more reserved and then the next week you'll be high and i'm more reserved so it's these movies are so far always ending up where they seem to have to be so the, the list is good the list the list is good right now uh, it's it's made it after that rugrats four it's made it much further than i thought it would <laughs> there's there's still the huge problem that the floor is way too high but but so far so good yeah so far it is it's it's really working for us and despite my reservations about the mummy i i can i can live with its spot where it is right now i'm totally okay with that six out of ten so that's that's solid right there and i we can't give our sweet guess set up for next week now because you already know the movie because we talked about it already. Yeah, so let's use this let's use this time. I thought about something we were talking about last week and I realized that you were so right and I was making it way more complicated than it needed to be. Um when we have a tie, let's just figure it out right then. That's what I that's what I was yeah. saying. Yeah, and then because then the way you can do it is if you have a tie where like multiple things are tied at six, you just do a lightning round where it climbs the list where and we then just eventually the it stops climbing. Yeah, Jim, beautiful. Glad you just said that. Let yeah, us... you were so right, dude. I'm not always the brightest guy in the bunch. It's all right. I uh, we we made it. We made however we made it. We made it there. So we have yeah. We so have let's, two let's movies clean now. Up Actually, no, we, have, we have three movies right now that are all in like a doubled up spot so we we can we can quickly lightning round those right now so first yeah. right there is how the grinch stole christmas and castaway both sit at a seven so right, i'm gonna which I'm one gonna do you think how the grinch stole christmas you think how the grinch stole christmas should be above yeah you would agree with that oh wow okay i wasn't expecting that I would agree with that. So, oh no, and then we don't necessarily need to agree to move it. We can just we can just debate a little bit whenever we get up to this part. Sure, yeah, because we I like how we quickly jumped onto the lightning round, assuming that we would like both say the same. Yeah, right. Then it would just we'd all be like, "Yep, that's exactly right," and that's exactly where it should land. Everyone Without, agrees. Yeah, yeah, because like, what if we each say a different one? Like, how do we how do we decide? But okay, yeah, we'll do like a little bit of. Uh... All right, so now for the next one, then we have Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and The Mummy Returns, both sitting at six. Oh, that's so tough, dude. That's... You go first on that one. I think Phantom Menace should stay just ahead. Yeah, you didn't like it very much. What was the other one that they're tied with? Which one? That's that. Those Is are the just only... those two movies. Yeah, those are the only two tied for six. Oh man, that's tough. I'm gonna is take. It, it uh, yeah, I'm. I'm with you on the Phantom Menace. I'm with you on the Phantom Menace. That's. Okay. I think that's right. Okay. And then our last one is tied um, with five out of ten. Is Pokemon the movie and Scary Movie? Uh, Pokemon the movie, not even close in my book. I honestly could go either way, so it doesn't. I'm fine with Pokemon staying in the top spot. <laughs> okay. I, I don't so really have a agreed. I don't really have a dog in the fight for either of those ones, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, we agreed, if if maybe a little begrudgingly on some of them, we agreed on all these. So far, so good. It'll be interesting as we deep dive in, and you're getting like a lot more of them. But I, I I'm I'm good on this one right now. I think I think so far, this is okay. 
Yeah, so far so good. It's so it's far. Border, it's bordering on not being good at all, <laughs> but it's so far it's still afloat. So far, we're okay. However many episodes into this bitch now, thirteen now, and we're it's still going strong. So we'll hold so on to that. that. Isn't I think that so. Many? Yes. Oh. Look at us go, really chugging along. But all right, that will do it for all of us here at Front Row Cinema in this episode. No guessing for Jim because we already spoiled it. Next week's episode, we're diving into that lovable green ogre. What are you doing in my swamp? How'd you like my Shrek? Is that pretty good? It was, it was pretty good, yeah. Not 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 the best, but... <laughs> I don't no, want to scream. <laughs> I don't need to scream it right now and wake Heather up with a yeah, really no, hard just... Irish brogue. I'm just screwing with you, dude. It was pretty good. Like, uh, I liked it. Thank you. Thank you. I do it. I do it. I do it for the people. Um, but yeah, so join us next week as we dive into that great old grand animated classic, Shrek. And we will see you all there next week. Jim, do you have anything to leave the people with this week? Get out of here! Just get out of here! All right, fine, man. I'll go. Jesus. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, you're just telling me to fuck off. But yes, we will do that. We're going to get out of here. Everyone. Until the next adventure, as always, we'll see you at the movies.